So it's looking at ways that you can try and bring back that that element of family time, that element of sitting around and, and celebrating a meal and pr- enjoying to cook and, you know, um, figuring out ways that you can kind of bring that in um, and then have that in the school system as well. Welcome to Social Fabric. In this program, we'll bring you conversations with people discussing their passion and the interaction with their community. We explore our different jobs, careers or achievements can inspire us to make small changes to improve our lives within our own community. You can find more episodes on socialfabric.ie or wherever you get your podcast. The program is also broadcast weekly on Dublin's Near FM 90.3. I'm your host Andreas Bendori and this week my guest is Orla McLaughlin. She's a registered nutrition practitioner passionate about her work helping people to achieve their goals. This is my conversation with her. Can I call you up a while on a Friday night? We could reminisce on old days and we could talk a while. Just sit and talk a So I'm going to jump around. If I, I wrote down a bunch of questions I want to ask you. We okay. will get into deep into what you're doing now, but I'll jump around a bit to, to get behind the, the whole... Perfect. Orla. Yes. I just pronounce your second name, McLaughlin. McLaughlin, exactly. Yeah. All right, well, we get started then. You have your coffee. I was going to say, they close the coffee shop downstairs, unfortunately, so I can only offer you tea. But you. No, I have a tea, so I'm happy out. Green tea? <laughs> yeah. I just, why did You're I say like... coffee? <laughs> Nutritionist. I should have said green tea and kale. <laughs> Already he knows me too well. Uh, well, uh, it is. So look, Orla McLaughlin. Uh, we're going to start straight away from um, what you do at the moment. You're a nutrition practitioner. Yes. And uh, just give me a little bit of an idea. When did you qualify? Um, um, yeah, when did you qualify? And I finished my master's in 2015. Um, and then I did a little bit of work for a year. And then I set up my own practice in 2016. Okay. And uh, the... Was it a couple of years study, three years study? Yes. So a... I did um, a diploma course first for four years, and then I did a master's in Middlesex University wow. for two years. It was via distance, so I did it here in Dublin. Um, and um, yeah, really found that very challenging in terms of doing it distance-wise. You mm. need to be very disciplined. Mm. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was amazing. And it, because the reason I'm asking this question, is, is it a difficult course? Um, it was difficult enough. The The master's that I did was in personalized nutrition. So it was very much based on the person in front of you as opposed to a mass population. Um, and that brings its own, you know, um, challenges as well, kind of going into various different pathways that are going on for the body and various different lifestyle stressors and dietary, mm. you know, things. So yeah, it is. It, can, it was quite challenging, but um, I, I love a challenge. So I'm delighted good. to do it. <laughs> uh, because uh, what's the, like, it, it's something that, Something seems to be growing in Ireland. There seem to be more and more of nutrition. It's the which is great. Yes, uh, don't get me wrong. But what's the what's the environment out there like? It's it's very competitive. It's uh, and the reason I'm asking it, it's not something that's regulated. Am I right, or is it regulated? Well, there is um there is various different bodies in in mm. Ireland. So there's the Nutrition Therapy Association of Ireland, um, and then I'm actually registered with a body in the UK called yeah. the Complementary Healthcare Natural Natural Council, and um. I yeah it is it is it's it is quite regulated in that respect it is good to be registered with those because at least then you um you're held to a set of standards you know um so yeah I think that is very very important it is it's becoming a little bit more um 
I don't like using the word popular, but a little bit more um, mainstream Mainstream with GPs and things like that as well now. Which is um, great. Well, it's essential because, you know, diet is like, I always equate it to um, a car because I think it's the easiest analogy. And we would never put diesel into a petrol car and expect it to function. But yet we put so much sugar and crap and everything into our bodies and expect ourselves to be on top form. And, it, you know, it doesn't work that way. Mm. Um, so I think there's a, there should be more of an importance p- placed on it, particularly for kids and at school and things like that. Um, so, so yeah, I, d- I do think it is becoming a little bit more mainstream. That's interesting because I, I spoke uh, to Kira Kelly for this program months ago and obviously she's now a broadcaster but she's a GP by trade. Yes. Um, and we were discussing this and I know the GP have it tough in a way because they have X amount of time yes. per, cost, per yes. classic customer. It's not quite a customer, per patient. Yes. And they, they, they find it quite hard to be able to. But do you work with any GP uh, that they kind of recommend you or vice versa? Or um, There is a few GPs that I would know that would pass on people mm. to me, which is amazing. Um, and yeah, I do. I completely empathize with that. It is like um, in the GP structure, you only have really 15 minutes with with a client and, and that's it. You know, you can't because you have so many more people in the waiting room. Um, whereas it is slightly different for me. You know, I'll spend at least an hour, an hour and a half with a person and kind of go through a complete medical history and figure out, you know, what has changed from the last visit to this visit and what's kind of happened when they were 10 years old, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, you know, taking in stresses, taking in lifestyle factors, taking in dietary things all the whole way. Um, and that has a huge impact on how their gut has been set up, how their immune system functions, how their stress levels are, all of those kind of things. So you get to have an awful lot more time with the person, which is really, really, um, amazing, you know, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it is. It's a very different, but I do feel for GPs in that respect as well because there's so much more they could give, but they just don't have the time. Now I'm going to ask you a lot more about that, but um, I want to start with the first song you gave me, "Dancing on My Own" by Robin. Yes. How did you pick that? Song? Um, I love that song because it is. Um, I love the dance version of it because it just. I don't know, it sparks something in me and I just get really excited when I hear it. Um, and I think she's got a really, really cool voice and plus I love the name. So uh, there's a few things there, but yeah, I love it. Um, it reminds me of my sister actually, so I really like it. <laughs> Somebody said you got a new friend Does she love you Speaking of your sister, I did a little research as I always do, um, and I just want to rewind a little bit because I, I always believe we're, well, we are uh, the product of our environment and our families and so on and so yes. forth. And your environment growing up uh, was a rural community, farming yes. community in Donegal. Yes, just exactly. Give me a bit of a snapshot of, uh, of where and how and all of that. Yeah, so my dad is originally from Malinhead, so one of the most northernest points in, in Ireland. So um, I live a little bit south of that in uh, near a place called Moville, uh, Redcastle. So 
farming community, farming background, um, always very, very aware of where food came from, um, but grew up in a very, um, very, very normal childhood, very, very happy family, but it was a very chaotic family because we were doing loads of stuff. So we were always doing activities, uh, be it music, be it swimming, be it football. So we were kind of, my mum was a taxi service really, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no real, um, no real health implications for me when I was younger. I was a very normal child, I think. Um, the only thing that I did, I suffered a lot with, was sore throat. I constantly had sore throats, um, but I just never really thought anything of it. Um, and then um, my granny was a fantastic lady in terms of always growing her own food, all of that kind of stuff. So we would go out there every Saturday and our car would be filled with potatoes and eggs and, you know, uh, homemade bread and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I was very, very aware of where that kind of health came from and where the food came from. And, you know, she always had a remedy for something, you know, if we got stung by a nettle, it was like docking leaves <laughs> or it was, you know, a bee sting was vinegar, you know, all of these various different remedies. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I think then I went to, um, I went to school, I went to college. But just if I stop you there for a second, I'm curious about the school base. So you're a teenager there in, in a small community. And uh, what what what's it like? What was it like? Because now you're you're in Dublin and everything's changed. But you know what was it like? A few few years ago, uh, growing up in uh, in a small community, did it feel did it feel safe and lovely, or did it feel like I can't wait to get out of this place? No, it was very safe, very sheltered, very um, everyone knew everyone. Um, probably very idyllic in a way um socialized with cousins we had my my we had a big family of cousins um and they were best friends and and that was you know saturday sundays that was it um so yeah no very like very kind of fond memories of like even if there was snow or anything like that it would be like slaying down the fields and you know kind of everyone gathering around and 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 um Helping each other out, like a, a definitely a good sense of community, because where I lived was pretty much all of my dad's family was was beside us, you know. So um, if you ever needed anything, you just you know called over next door kind of thing. So <laughs> yeah, it was uh, and, and very outdoors. Um, be, the reason I'm asking that question because obviously what, what through the journey you've had, and we'll talk a bit about just, um, uh, going to a new I Galway, but obviously food. The importance of food, simple food. Am I right to say, like very, yeah, and that I was, was important. Yeah, it was. It was very, very simple food, and um, I think, like, I always knew that element of food was always made. Food was always, you know, I, I, you know, Granny made everything. Her bread, her, you know, that grew potatoes, vegetables, all that kind of stuff, and my mum did as well. To be fair, which was brilliant, um, but. I was a very picky eater. Like <laughs> I was the worst eater. My poor <laughs> mother had to like cook four dinners. So I was um probably a little bit of a bothersome child in that respect, you know. I I was kind of um a little bit OCD, I guess, in terms of like gravy couldn't touch things or, you know, only only ate green peas, you know, um, no other vegetables. So um that had implications further down the line for sure. But yeah, a food was a huge. Um, I I did. I don't know if I I don't know if I'd say I enjoyed food, but I was always very aware that my my sisters and my dad would have eaten anything, and I was always very aware of that and loved that. I was like, oh, you love all that stuff. That's amazing. Whereas I didn't, so I find that very quite strange, you know, when I look back. 
So the seed was planted, although at the time you weren't... Quite you weren't, possibly. Yeah, yeah okay, that's yeah, interesting. Quite possibly. We'll get to that in, very, <laughs> in one second. Um, but now this this song you, you choose, um, I was surprised, Leo Sayers. Yes. <laughs> Thunder in my heart. And this Why Leo Sayers? Uh, this is a funny one, actually, because I remember on my 11th birthday, my mom had a record player. And it was a really, really miserable day. And I remember she took out the record player and she put on Leo Sayer and this song came on and I was so excited. And it was a very, very, um, it's a very kind of passionate song. And it's something that I've always felt that I've had in my heart, like just to kind of sometimes I, me and my brother joke because um, I'm super enthusiastic about stuff and he's not. So he's like, I got all his enthusiasm. Um, so yeah, that song reminds me of that when I was in heaven. So you, you leave um, um, Donegal and you go to co- do commerce and business studies in uh, go to yes. Galway. Yes. And that's where you started to have a, a different relationship with food. Yes. So tell me a bit about all of that. Because I'm assuming as well, that moving from Donegal, Donegal is a fantastic county, but it's so far remote. Yeah. And then you're going to Galway, which is still a small enough city, but it's a city. And yes. And it's happening. So. Tell me a bit about all of that. Um, At that point, I think I couldn't wait to go to college. I was so excited about that. And the prospect of being away from home, I think I loved that. Um, And it was because Donegal was that wee bit further away, you know, you didn't go home every weekend. But yeah, food wasn't great for me in college. Um, I I became very, um, I, I, I guess, like, pasta and and scones and sweet corn and like it was a very very plain white diet um and yeah that's all I kind of ate really was tea and and scones and pasta and but why was that because were you cooking for yourself or I was cooking for myself so it was kind of whatever was simple and whatever was easy Mm. um and I wasn't that into like the classically I grew up on potatoes all the time and I wasn't that into potatoes so um then I was just like when I was in college I guess I was trying something different and pasta was just easier um but I I didn't really love it but I ate it anyway because it was there um so yeah I didn't have the best relationship with food still wasn't great with vegetables I mean the addition of sweet corn wasn't exactly a a huge (laughs) vegetable that's going to get me far but um it was yeah I didn't have the best relationship with food it was very when I look back now it was very carbohydrate based and very sugar based you know um so that wasn't a great thing for my system and it was kind of I think from there then things started to kind of unravel a little bit more for me in terms of health. Yeah, so you, you had some complication then? Well, I just, uh, yeah, I became very, um, I struggled an awful lot with anxiety, you know, and I would have, 
have had an awful lot of panic attacks and things like that. Um, and that was, that was one element, but then, um, di- my digestive system wasn't great at all. And I was then diagnosed further on with IBS and then, um, developed another thing called cyclical vomiting where you get up randomly and get sick. Um, so all of that was kind of because I just wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't eating the right foods. And it was only when I started studying nutrition that I actually realized that when I went back, that I kind of went, I really wasn't feeding myself the correct fuel at all, you know, particularly when you're in a stressful environment, when you're in college, because it's all about learning and exams. And, you know, I wasn't priming myself for for learning properly, you know. Because you were doing commerce and business, so, you know, pretty, pretty heavy subjects. And, uh, but the, what interests me, uh, I mean, what kind of support was there? I mean, you're there on your own and a few friends, I'm assuming, but from tutors, lecturers, teachers, is anybody going, Jesus, or like, you know, you look a bit stressed, you look a bit anxious, you know, can we, what? No, there was very little of that. Um, no, I'm sure that's there now. Um, and it probably was there if I had seeked it out, but I wasn't the best person in the world for asking for help either, you know? Mm. Um, I very much, realize that I have the type of personality that I, I push through and I keep going and you you know you kind of suck it up and get on with it is the kind of attitude I've grown up with um, you know so uh, I wouldn't have been and at that point I didn't really feel like there was anything going on for me I was just yeah stress everyone has stress you know um, so probably not a huge amount of that no. Yeah, that's interesting to say that because I was reading something about anxiety and depression, which is, and the guy describes it as basically the same thing. It's just, it's exactly the same thing. It's just, uh, you're looking from two different, um, lenses. Yeah. lenses, but it's exactly the same thing. But it's interesting, especially at the moment where we're going through the leaving cert exams and all of these kids going through, including my son. And that's the word everybody's using all the time, anxiety and stress. But yeah we're not really doing much about it you know well sorry we're doing a lot more than we did but yes um, i'm just thinking back at you and your exams arriving in surely not looking perfect no and uh and yeah. then somebody the teacher just worrying about whether you've done your you're prepared yeah absolutely and you also don't ever think about you know there's another way to achieve this um or there's another way to get where you want which i think almost and it's it's something I've definitely learned but it's almost takes the pressure off of that moment um whereas you know you put all of your eggs as such into one basket and go this is it you know um and if you don't because I remember I I failed one of my exams in in first year in um in college it was management accounting and I was devastated absolutely devastated and that whole summer then was just literally study and study and study and study and you know I I I did really well in it and I kept it on in the next year but you know it's just the the you know I I suppose I didn't really take very well to that failure to defeat and stuff like that so I guess that would be a kind of an element of my personality that I've learned to be a little bit more accepting of yeah it's interesting um I need something Newton Faulkner. <laughs> it wasn't me asking. I need something. It's the song you picked. I need something by Newton Faulkner. Yes, I love him. I think he's amazing. I actually went to see him there the other week. Um, he's an amazing guitarist, and um, I, I just there's something about that song that I actually really, really like. Um, because it's the seeking aspect. It's the you know, it's the kind of awareness aspect around it as well. So I quite like that. I need something. To believe in Cause I don't believe in myself And I'm sick and tired 
get in the way Guess it'll all work out And I don't mind anymore And I don't mind anymore We are getting to your current occupation, your profession. Yes. Uh, finally, says you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it, I think it's important. It's important the journey that, you know, brought you to, I suppose, in a way, the wrong path. You were doing accountancy, you were doing all that, and you were suffering for, from it. Not necessarily because of it, but no. there was an element of it that brought poor diet, and the pure, poor diet brought you to not being super healthy. And now, as you say, you, you're now a qualified practitioner, nutrition practitioner, and your passion has become to improve other people's life yes. through nutrition. Yes. So tell me, when you set up your practice, give me the journey in the last few years since you, you started and how, like, what you had, what you had set out to do and what, it's, what has happened, and is it the way you wanted it? Yeah, it's getting there is what I would say. Um, I think I'm going to, I'll be like a perpetual student with nutrition because it changes all of the time. There's so much research out there and I love that. I'm always, you know, that's what my dad always said to me. It's like, you'll be a perpetual student. Um, I'm constantly looking to go back and learn more. But um, I think for me, the... Um, the, the, the kid side of things, like I did when I did my master's, I did my thesis on neurotypicals versus... Um, kids on the spectrum and I just was fascinated by the wrong foods that kids on the spectrum are eating and the the level of nutrition that they're absorbing you know is is is, is very very poor so it kind of brought me into that world and um you know loads of different aspects around that and I think that's where my biggest passion lies now is that really, really trying to help kids that are um, that suffer with autism or they have ADHD or any kind of focus, anxiety, um, stress disorders, to be able to, you know, help their gut function that little bit better, you know, so helping them move their bowels on a regular basis, um, helping them get the right f- fuel in there so they can function better, they can they can make friends better, they can connect with the world that little bit more because I think one of the biggest things that I've learned in the last couple of years is that social engagement is is very, very poor and we're addicted to things like phones, iPads, laptops and we're the most disconnected society I've I've ever encountered really. Um, not that I've encountered anymore, but, uh, you know, we we technology is supposed to connect us but it's actually making us very disconnected, I feel. And trying to develop a little bit more you know, things like eye contact and, uh, you know, and, you know, handshaking and those kind of things for, for kids, I think is huge. And there's a lot that you can do with the diet to try and help that function, to try and help that a little bit more. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I was really, when you contacted me, I thought oh, this was going to be a really interesting conversation about the autism because I know, um, and I don't mind plugging it, the, the Super Value, for example, have done this wonderful thing. Now. Amazing. It's once yeah. a week, uh, I believe, oh, twice a week in the evening, does it, does the quiet hours, it allows yes. people with autism or, and, you know, going in and actually have a proper experience and not being freaked out by different noise. But in preparation for this chat, I, I listened to another podcast and they were talking about, it's an American podcast, a guy called Rich Roll, and uh, they were talking about microbiome. Yes. It's just the whole thing now. It's, and again, um, it was complex conversation, yes. and I understood some of it. But uh, but what you're saying basically it, by improving the gut flora, 
you're improving your well-being and and have you seen or has it been studies in terms of autism and God function. Mm. Absolutely, 100%. Okay. Um, so that's the biggest thing and the first thing that I'll look at because the um, the gut-brain connection is huge and it's a bi-directional mm. system. So if you have compromisation in your gut, you then have what's known as leaky brain as well. Mm. So it's looking to improve the functionality of that gut because nine times out of 10 children on the spectrum will have some form of uh, imbalance in their digestion, be it constipation, diarrhea, a bloated or distended stomach, um, very smelly stools or, you know, um, another one called impactation. So there's loads of different things that are going on there. So it's 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 my job to go in and help fix that and help to get more functionality there. Um, and that's done through number one, changing the diet, but number two, looking at the actual bacteria that's in the gut. And that's one of the biggest things that I will look at in terms of case history as well. So your, your level of bacteria in the gut has been set up from various different events in your life. So for example, when you're born via um, natural birth, you go through the birth canal and you get all of your mum's flora. If you're born via C-section, you're born into a sterile environment and you don't have any flora. And the same happens then if you're bottle fed versus breastfed. So if you're bottle fed, you're not getting any flora from the breast, but if you're breastfed, you are. So again, it's all of these various different things. And if you get then, you know, say you get a cold or flu, um, or something like that, or an ear infection or a throat infection. Again, it's all of these various different um, hits on the immune system. So it's looking at ways that you can help support the immune system by putting in good bacteria and good probiotics. Um, so it, it, it's not always through a capsule. You can get it obviously through foods and things like that, but it's very, very hard for kids to eat sauerkraut or miso or any of those kind of fermented foods. Um, so it's either making sure that the mother's eating those in terms of if they're breastfeeding or you, you get kind of um, good probiotics in as well. But that has has a huge impact on the um, the gut-brain connection as well. And then the other thing to, to so the microbiome is, is, is number one, but the other thing to look at is levels of toxicity. So you're looking at, I do testing with Great Plains Laboratory in America or Biolab in the UK, and you're looking at heavy metal toxins. You're looking at things like organophosphates, petrochemicals, all of these various different things that just sound like words, but we actually ingest, um, you know, on a huge, um, a, a huge basis. So, you know, there's um, glyphosate as well, which would be a herbicide that's sprayed on our food products. And a lot of the time we would be ingesting that very, very high in the States, but it's actually higher here as well. Um, I've had a few kids that I've done the glyphosate test for and it's come back like the parameters 2.5 it's come back maybe a 2 or 2.3 um, so again it's definitely there the prevalence is there and if you can imagine if you have you know a compromised detoxification system or you're not moving your boils which is a, a, an aspect of detoxification then the toxins have nowhere to go they're, they're there and they're circulating and they're causing problems and they can contact the brain or, or get through to the brain and and cause damage and then neurotoxic at that point as well so it's it's looking at everything in context rather than just you know in isolation you know looking at autism as a whole body disorder as opposed to just a, a brain a few more questions on that but um i'm gonna break it up with um kathleen but josh ritter ah Josh Ritter, I I, uh, I really love Josh Ritter. He's a fantastic artist, and uh, yeah, I just I love the, I think I love the innocence of this song. Um, it just kind of reminds me of childhood. So yeah, I, I really like. All the other girls here are stars. You are the northern lights. They try to shine in through your curtain. You're too close and too bright. They try and they try But everything that they do Is the ghost of a trace Of a pale imitation 
version of you I'll be the one to drive you back home Kathleen this party was made with a I liked uh, one thing you said there. Uh, you're probably going to be studying nutrition all your life uh, because changing all the time. And, yes. and I'm totally with you. I actually study microbiology for spe- specialization food. That's what I did. Amazing. Uh, but that was so many years ago that we still had the food pyramid, and uh, which is completely out of. Uh, but that's the reality. Things are changing. Um, you know, if you throw yourself back to Donegal, the food was simple. Your granny grew it. There was no pesticide. Yes. That leaf of salad was worth 50 that you buy today. Absolutely. Um, but the one thing about the, um, do you know anything, do you know about autism in terms of, is it being, um, has it been growing, the autism? Um, are there more people on the spectrum now than there were 20 years ago, 40 years ago? Or do we know that statistics? Yeah, so the statistics that we have now at the minute are US-based um, mm. because we don't have statistics here in Ireland at the moment. But um, the recent statistic is 1 in 59 children. It used to be 1 in 68 in 2016, but it's now 1 in 59. So, yes, it definitely is growing. It's definitely expanding. And... Um, yeah, for me, I think it's there's a huge amount of lifestyle issues there as well. I mean, there's 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 genetic component. There's you know, um, there's methylation issues. Methylation is our ability to detoxify as well, and, and it's a process that happens in our body. So there can be what are called SNPs in both mother or father, which are single nucleotide polymorphisms, but they it's just a, a SNP in a gene. So it's um, there's a little bit of a, an, an issue with that. So that can be passed on, causing an, an imbalance with detoxification. And then there can then be, um, if there's a lot of antibiotics in the system, for example, like I've had a few clients that have, there may be five or six and they've had 20 plus courses of antibiotics in their life. And, you know, antibiotics are great. They get rid of the bacteria, but they also get rid of all of our good bacteria as well, you know. So it's trying to build that back up again. And the more antibiotics you've had in, the poorer your gut flora is. And there's overgrowth of yeast, candida, things like that. And that can cause um, a lot more toxins to enter the brain and enter your bloodstream and connect with the um you know become neurotoxic and what's your view on um, cleanliness like how are we too clean as a society yeah there, there's a lot around that in terms of like um you know kids being overly protected with like hand sanitizers and all of those kind of things and not you know getting out and playing in the muck and you know that that to me is hugely important for your immune system so being able to um you know get an awful lot more good bacteria from that is is very very important but it's just not happening a lot these days you know there's there's a lot of um antibacterial products used um um sanitizers wipes everything and you know there's there's it is i think we're overprotecting which are probably not very good for us anyway. No. Too much chemical. Absolutely, yeah, because your body doesn't really know what that is, so it has to then yeah. try and mind your response. So um, if anybody listening that either have a child with autism or know somebody that have a child, and they, they'll contact you, you do one-on-one programs, you do um, consultation over Skype, but at what stage would you like to see? I mean, because if you have a child that is two years of age, and, and unfortunately, it's in the spectrum of autism. I mean, it'd be quite hard to communicate to the child or for the child to communicate what what is wrong with him or her. So, I, what your patience is that the right word? I would, yeah, client. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't even know what. 
your clients, uh, at what age do you start working with them? Um, if, if we, we're sticking with the kids for the moment, just sticking with the kids and specifically with autism, and we'll talk about um, specifically with kids um, from when they're um, early intervention. If there's early intervention, it's amazing. The, the sooner you can get started in terms of really helping to support that immune system and the gut function, the better. Um, so even if they are two, two and a half, you know, looking at removing any of the higher allergen foods, looking at removing any sugars. Um, if they're being bottle fed, are they, you know, are they tolerating milk? well or do we need to change that um so looking at all of those aspects looking at their digestive system looking at their poos um so all of these things if they have any kind of skin issues as well it can manifest as like eczema psoriasis cradle cap mm. all of these things so there's a lot that you can do and there's a lot that you can help at that point and the earlier the better um because it really really stands to that development of the immune system and do you, so the client comes into you 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 do all your tests and you go okay well look your child needs to change his diet from this to this. You, yes. you provide a program with yes. a diet that I'm assuming it has to be fairly um, for a picky child. Yes. Uh, you need to be quite... Uh, so what kind of... I know, and I'm assuming everybody's different, so yeah. you don't have a diet for everybody so it's specific to that particular person it is and that will change um because everyone is so different and there's a really really nice quote um it's like you meet one child with autism you meet one child with autism because you know you could be dealing with um non-verbal you could be dealing with someone that has a very compromised digestive system or someone that it doesn't you know it's not an, an issue so again um that's why i like to do a little bit of testing beforehand because it gives me a roadmap it allows me to know that okay joe is actually very deficient in b6 or he has high oxalates so um oxalic acid is um and, th- and this is one of the reasons why i get asked all the time about the perfect diet you know and um it's it's something that i can never say definitively this is this is the perfect diet because for example spinach um, almonds, chocolate, raisins, beetroot, all very, very high in oxalic acid. And oxalic acid is one of those things that when it's in the blood, it can um, crystallize and cause things like eye poking behavior and things like that, particularly in kids with autism. So um, spinach isn't exactly the wonder food that we all think it is. Um, so it's it's looking at various different aspects of that and tailoring the diet to suit based on what has come back for the child. So I also do stool samples and it'll tell me the level of good bacteria, the level of dysbiotic or um, problematic bacteria. If there's inflammation, there's a marker in that called your secretory IgA level. Um, so if there's inflammation in the gut, if you're able to absorb your carbohydrates, your fats, your proteins, all of those various different things. And that gives me um, data that then I can kind of go, okay, we need to either change the diet this way or we need to put in certain supplement or we need to put in certain foods or whatever that is. Um, And that varies for the child and it varies for the family because, you know, you have to think about lifestyle factors as well. And you have to think about, um, is mom and dad able to cook? Is mom able to cook? Is dad able to cook? What what happens there? Um, Is it a busy household? What can, what's achievable? So I have to work with the family as well. Um, Otherwise it's not sustainable and it has to be sustainable. I mean, you're obviously passionate about it. it just comes through just even the tone of your voice <laughs> no which is fantastic and it's it's, it's what I, I love to to do this for this very reason but have you had any clients over the last number of years or months where you've seen you've actually seen you know you're able to say okay joe came in 
and now Joe Sarasis is no longer there and he's feeling better and, and because that must be extremely rewarding right? it's hugely rewarding absolutely hugely rewarding and I have a particular client at the minute who's still working with me but she um, we have removed she came to me with gluten and dairy out of the system and hadn't seen a huge amount of differences in her kid um, he, he's on the spectrum but we took out grains we went to the next step then and took out grains in order to try and get that conversion from folic acid to methylfolate and really, really helped that cycle happen. And um, he is doing absolutely fantastically well. He's trying new foods. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's there's small wins the whole way throughout the last couple of months in terms of, um, you know, behaviours have changed. He's a lot calmer. He's way more imaginative with play. Um, he's not bringing certain things to school that he was obsessed with, you know, um, blankets or teddies or those kind of things. So he's developing, he's growing and his language has improved. He's using new words. So that ability to, now it's all small changes every day and it's not something that happens overnight. But the the fact that the biggest thing for for her was that, you know, he's trying foods. He's actually tasting it and saying, I don't like it or I like it. And that is, you know, for me, that's a huge win. That is fantastic. Yeah. So Snow Patrol, just say yes. Yes. Um. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't... I wasn't telling you. <laughs> no, no. Um, again, really, really big fan of Snow Patrol. Uh, I think they're a great band. And yeah, very, very happy, upbeat song and kind of kind of speaks to my positivity a little bit, you know, and just say yes, just go for it. So. I won't be okay and I won't pretend I am So just tell me today Take my hand Please take my hand Please take my hand Please take my hand Okay, um, as you say, small steps. But what I love about the nutritional aspect uh, is that effectively you're trying different food, you're not popping pills, you're not, uh, there's no real, well, there, there are side effects, but the side effects are, as not, are not as harsh or as brutal as, as a pill. Yes. Can. But so let, let's move away from autism for a moment. And the gut health, that's, I'm always wary of fads. Yes. Right? And, uh, and we've had this probiotic fad. We're now going into the vegan fad and we're going into the, the gut health, health fad. When I say fad, I think it's all very good. Yes. But my fear is that once, once it starts to become mainstream, then the Monsanto, this world, get on top of it and they go, okay, here we go. There's a, the latest probiotic drink for two ninety nine for six bottles. And that'll make you, you know. Yes. What's your view on all of that on the... Yes, 100%. I mean, I would regularly I would regularly get people to test for gluten and because I think there's a huge amount of gluten intolerance, there's a huge amount of celiac in Ireland, but um I am a I'm not an advocate at all of gluten-free products because they're literally just um you know, there's loads of additives, there's loads of sugars and just because it's gluten-free does not mean it's healthy, you know. So it'll be it'll depend on um I I always try and say to people, eat food as close to its natural state as possible. 
you know, and if your granny can't pronounce it, then, you know, don't eat it because, and I think my, my first introduction to that was, I remember, um, and I didn't have a clue what it was. It's called an Oxford lunch. I didn't know what an Oxford lunch was, but um, it's a fruit cake, basically. Um, So, (laughs) um, I mean, I think I maybe had one or two when I was growing up, but not. It was never an Oxford lunch. But I remember reading the back of it, um, and I was in my 20s, and I was like, it was an essay of things. And I was like, should it not just be butter, milk, and flour, and raisins, you know? Um, so that kind of got me, again, I was kind of there going, why is there so much of this stuff in it? Like, my head is going, Granny never used all of this. What is this, you know? So it's it's looking and just trying to eat real food. And the 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 better the quality of the food product that you can eat, um, the better you'll feel. And there's a huge amount as well about your environment. So if you're in a very, very stressful environment, chaotic environment, um, you know, if you're eating on the go, it doesn't matter what you're eating, your digestive system is already shut down. It's not going to do anything. Um, so you need to be you need to be sitting, you need to be mindful, you need to be rested when you're eating um, rather than in this state of, you know, I have to get to the next meeting and all this kind of stuff. So um yeah, I think the quality of the food, but also your state and your environment is very, very important in order to facilitate a, a healthy diet. And I use that in inverted commas. And um, you mentioned when you were growing up, you weren't a great fan of um, the five a day. You know, your five a day was the sweet corn. But um, I was abysmal. <laughs> but what, what's your view on, uh, I don't know, say the vegan diet versus the paleo diet? So you're saying when you your clients, you give them a, a wholesome diet yes which is does include meat does it include absolutely okay absolutely um i think you know everything has its place mm-hmm. everything has its place if someone comes to me and they're vegan then i have to respect that and i'm absolutely for that that's no problem um and we'll look at ways you can be very unhealthy vegan as well but we'll look at ways that maybe we'll try and bring in a little bit more healthy aspects to that if we can um but i do love elements of every single diet you know in terms of the vegan aspect of vegetarian i love the aspect of adding more vegetables because the more color that you have the more nutrition that you have um because every different color represents a different nutrient so it's very very important to get as much of that in um again Every, every time I'm recommending a diet, I will always ask, what are we trying to achieve? Always. Because, you know, um, there's no point in stressing yourself out or making yourself so overwhelmed as well. And you have to figure out what suits and what you actually absorb. So if you've really poor digestion, digestion, then we're not going to look at foods that are harder to digest. So meat can sometimes be harder to digest because it's higher in arachidonic acid. Even legumes can be harder to digest sometimes because of the outer husk. So again, it's looking, do you need maybe a digestive enzyme in there? Do you need to eat foods that are easier for you to digest at this point in your life? Or do we need to look at stress as a factor? So there's a whole host of different things rather than just going, I'm trying this diet and seeing. Um, and I also always tell people that health does not equate to weight. You know, think about your mental health, think about your skin health, think about your energy, think about your mood. All of these things are so important to health rather than just weight. Yeah, and I, and I love that. I think... Uh obviously that's why you spend an hour and a half with your consultations or because you're trying to get to there's no point to tell somebody you know have a, a fill of steak if yes. they can't afford a fill of steak yeah, absolutely and uh, absolutely. Or, and or you know so that that's that's very interesting um and it sounds to me that okay you you have your practice and and i hope you're busy and i'm sure you are and hopefully you get busier but am i right in saying that now, people coming to you, 
you can get one on one, you might get through ten clients a day or whatever it may be. But that's still very much a, a drop in the ocean on on in changing. Because I suppose like your bigger picture is how we're gonna change for yes. everybody, you yes. know, for because while it's your as your business, I'm sure you know that what was your what I mean, you're talking to schools. Should you be in schools? What what are the schools doing? Because that's really where it all starts, right? Absolutely, and that would be my um, ultimate goal. I think is to get people get people excited about food and get people learning how to cook and be in the kitchen and and actually bring nutrition in as a as as a subject. You know, because um, it's one of those things as well. I always think that like learning to drive a car should have been brought into schools. You know, because there's there are these life skills that you need. Um, and I know there is like there's domestic sciences and home economics and all of those but bringing it in in a healthier format rather than just being able to bake you know a cake you know so looking at ways that you can actually help yourself and uh, improve your health along the way I think yeah and and being able to tell parents and teachers that I think is, is huge because you no, know, recently there was the the Wellfest uh, festival in Dublin, and it's becoming bigger and bigger yeah. every year. And I, I noticed they're now starting to do like a tour of Ireland, which is great. It's all good. Yes. All, but somehow I can't. Uh, I can see that. Yeah, the, the the areas where it should really work on, they're not going to be at the Wellfest. No. No. So how do we get to those? And it's not necessarily necessarily just a disadvantage there. Mm. You know, there's there's different areas where. The work should go into, mm. like, it, I can go to the Wellfest because I have a weekend off and I pay my, I don't know how much it costs to go into the Wellfest and then I go home and decide to eat good food. Yes. I'm kind of preaching to a converter, you know. Absolutely. How how we get to, where do we need to get to, you know, to the base baseline of it? Yeah, like, I even think um, a couple of years back I contacted Nutribullet and was asking them would they be able to sponsor someone to do like even to go into schools and go this is how you make a smoothie with fruit and veg and all the different colours of the rainbow um, and try and develop stuff like that as a programme to bring in because I think it's just it's so so important that we get colour and we get you know fruit and veg into kids you know there's because there's loads of carbohydrates there's lo- loads of carbohydrate snacks they, they do eat meat um, generally speaking or fish um, but they just lack the, the goal, the nutrition in terms of the, the fruit and veg. So I was always trying to think about ways that we can bring that in an easy way and make it fun, like make kids, you know, play with the food and experience the food and figure out, you know, the different colours and stuff like that. Um, and did, did they come back to you? No, well, they said they wouldn't be able to, but um, I think it would be, um, if there's anyone there that would <laughs> like to, <laughs> I still think that would be a fantastic programme to do for kids. Um, and juices is a thing as well, which are great, you know, Um even just getting a juicer and going in and doing various different things because the ability to get like a green juice and a, you know, and a purple juice and an orange juice mm. and a yellow, you know, all of those different colors, I think would excite kids and they would like it. Um, and just, I think that would be a fantastic project. Yeah, I agree. Um, you have this marvelous song by Annie Lennox. Why? Yes. Um, this song gave me chills when I heard it first. And I went to a David Gray concert and the house that I was staying in after my leaving cert, they, the song they had on in the radio. And I was like, what is that song? And it, it, I loved it. And I didn't hear it then for a few years later. And then when I did, someone gave me the single CD and I just cherished it so much and I loved it. So um, yeah, it's, I, it's an amazing song. She's fantastic.
course, the end of it. But uh, I'm, I'm curious about um, just what we touched on there in terms of how. And I know, look, you're just one person, and so am I. But there's people out there, and uh, how and if there need to be more uh, political will behind better nutrition. Because I'm a great believer. I mean, it's the simplest thing. We need to eat. Yeah. And we need to, that's all we do. That's what we know. We need to eat. We need to go to a toilet and we need to sleep. That's, yes. That's the three things we have to do every day. Yes. And breathe. So yeah. we need to breathe as well. Absolutely. <laughs> but that's about it. Beyond that, then everything is an add-on. So what what should happen? You know, what what would you like to see? A crystal ball time, you know, what, what would you like to see happening? From, I, uh, yeah. I think I would like to see more of an emphasis on nutrition. And I do think um, like that is coming into the fore now in terms of there are an awful lot more people studying nutrition and health and things like that, which is amazing. But I think at a, at a ground level, you know, buying less processed foods and people being very, very aware of there's there there there's um shopping basket if everything is in a box if everything is in plastic you know is there other ways that you can look at changing that um you know i'm 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 really one for real practical take home steps i think that people can use but um try and stay to the outer aisles of a supermarket rather than having to go in i mean we don't need tea and biscuits we don't need biscuits they don't give us any nutrition at all <laughs> you know so um think about those kind of things but i think from yeah in in terms of changing i think it has to come from um the household and it has to come from the school as well um so being taught a little bit more and you know leading by example so teaching your kids you know the right way to to have breakfast and breakfast isn't you know a breakfast bar and a cup a cup of coffee going out the door um sitting down, taking time, you know, eating your food, chewing your food um, and making it a really, really important meal. And something that I've learned, um, a friend of mine is Greek, actually, and she um, she taught me a lot about food and she taught me a lot about the the celebration of food, you know, and everything that they do is around, you know, um, celebration and even like a small snack, everyone sits around and, you know, they, they sit and they enjoy it and they take their time. Um, and I think that's so invaluable. And, you know, in Irish society today, I think that's missed. There's a lot of TV dinners. There's a lot of kind of eating on the go and running to your next meeting with a sandwich in your hand. And, you know, that's why we're not digesting. And that's why we have lots of IBS and ulcerative colitis and Crohn's and all of these things that are inflammatory. So it's looking at ways that you can try and bring back that that element of family time, that element of sitting around and, and celebrating a meal and pr- enjoying to cook and, you know, um, figuring out ways that you can kind of bring that in um, and then have that in the school system as well would be quite... It, it, it's interesting because um, I just read an article this morning on the in The Guardian about, uh, it's called The Mindfulness uh, Conspiracy. Yeah. And uh, it was a really interesting angle on, look, mindfulness is great, it's very important, but basically all we're doing where we're counteracting what um what society is throwing at us we're not rebelling against it we are eating our lunch at the, at, at the desk because society is telling us we can't eat anywhere else yeah. so then we're going to find time to do mindfulness as opposed to say hang on i'm going to eat my lunch like your greek friend i'm yes. going to go home and eat my lunch yeah um and that's a bit in a way is almost the nutritional the nutritionist um rice is almost in a way that way the way we're going okay well i'm going that far out and eventually i go and see a nutritionist and she'll sort me out yes and do you like apart from the autist kids uh, on the spectrum do you do you have clients that are 
of all ages of all yes absolutely and, and um, what, what, what are you seeing there what are you, as a social economic uh, um spectrum what, what's happening there who's coming to you and why I and think, i obviously don't want to need the specifics n- no 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 um i think absolutely for me the biggest thing is digestive health and mental health you know stress anxiety depression and then in terms of digestive health um ibs bloated stomach um constipation all of these things ulcerative colitis um all of these various different aspects and that for me is, and there's sometimes there's skin manifestations as well in terms of eczema. Um, but a lot of a lot of things are based around gut health for me, and from you know then that relates to mental health as well. So that will be a huge focus, um, and that will be something that I would say to people. You know, I always try and get people to connect what they eat with how they feel because I think there's a massive disconnect there. We don't connect that, um, and. People just go, yeah, no, I feel fine or whatever. But when they think about it, they're, you know, they're not, they're not sleeping very well. Um, they're not, they're not, they're getting up and they're really, really groggy. They don't have energy or their energy dips at three o'clock. And we're told by society that that's normal, you know, that we should have, like, we should have a 3 p.m. slump and go grab a cup of soup or something. But that's not normal, you know, mm-hmm. it's really not, you know, you should be able to get through your day. You should be able to manufacture your own energy. Uh, and you shouldn't be constantly yawning all of the time. So again, look at how you are, look at your own self-awareness in, in the world and how your food relates to that. And if there's anything there that you can kind of take from that and learn from and change, um, then that's hugely beneficial. Yeah, that's interesting, the the mental health uh, connection with the gut, because, I mean, the first thing we do when we feel down, we eat crap food. Yeah. That's just, we're all drawn to it. Completely. And, and then obviously that spirals down if you keep doing that and alcohol I'm assuming is another big thing huge that, yeah yeah um, yeah that's and, and you're obviously seeing changes like it, it, are the changes quite and, and again I know it's very specific to a person and to the physiology of the person but if somebody again somebody listening go I'm just really down the dumps at the moment you know and I've tried everything else I don't want to go running I don't want to do yoga I don't want to do anything else Better go and talk to Orla. See yeah. How how quickly things can change. Oh, even just the to see that something is happening. How quickly can that happen with a proper diet? Um. And I wouldn't hold you to it. No, 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 absolutely. And I think (laughs) one of the most phrases I use all the time is it depends. Um, It does depend on the person. But one of the biggest things I would say is depends on people's willingness to change. And you would be surprised that, you know, lots of people come to see me and then they're like, oh, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. You know, I, I don't want to give up biscuits. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not doing that. I don't know who I am without biscuits. And, you know, there's, there's, being open to change is a huge, huge thing. So that's one thing I would say to people is, you know, see if you're ready to make those changes because those changes are going to need to to happen. Um, and that in itself is a whole thing, like, you know, building yourself up and preparing yourself to, to make changes. Um, so again, in relation to the, the, the benefits, I think, of changing your diet, yes, absolutely, to answer your question, you probably will start to see differences on, if if you're doing everything correctly and you're doing everything as, as 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 you want to, then you probably start to see changes within a week or two, depending on if you're trying to detoxify or whatever you're trying to do. Um, you know, you can sometimes feel a lot worse before you feel better, and that can be um, a barrier for people as well. Um, so when you change when you change the food that your body's used to, you know, 
you're probably dislodging an awful lot of toxins in the body's kind of withdrawal and, you know, sugars and all of those kind of things. So you will feel worse, but um, it's it's getting through that and you will start to feel an awful lot better. And when you can get up in the morning and not feel really tired or when your mood is an awful lot better or when, you know, you can, you know, use your, move your bowels and go to the bathroom every day. I mean, that's huge for some people. Mm-hmm. So it depends on why you're changing as well and if that is strong enough to make you change. And a lot of the time with nutrition, because it's so, pre- like, it is a preventative, um, you know it is staving off all of those kind of things like you know alzheimer's and and dementia and, and um, arthritis and stuff like that it's it's harder to make that change when you don't have it you know so if you have a heart attack then then that makes you kind of go oh yeah actually now i need to think about my diet but it's it's harder to change your diet at 30 or 45 and think about a heart attack at seven you know yeah. so that can be a little bit of a challenge for people as well. Um, so it's looking at family history and looking at maybe what you're kind of walking into. Um, so, so you know, take it and taking all that into consideration as well and, and making that commitment. It's interesting. I had this conversation. I was having a coffee with a couple of friends this morning and we, had, we were having this conversation about exercise and, and we're all middle-aged, but, uh, and one of them decided he's going to uh, stop drinking for the next six weeks or so. Um, He's not a big drinker. He just decided that's it. It's time, time to give it a rest, and and he's already done a couple of weeks, and he feels much better already. And and then he's running more, and then all of a sudden, is creating that positive habit, yeah. which one of the previous guests wrote a whole book about, uh, Fiona Brennan. So that's part of what you're talking about, really, isn't it? Just create that habit that it makes you feel better, and then you want to do more of it. One hundred percent, absolutely. And I will always say that health is not something you waken up with. Like health is a choice, and you practice it every single day. Mm. It's like exercise. You mightn't like going to the gym, but you have to do it. You have to move your body. Um, And for me, health is exactly the same thing. You have to make a choice every single day about your health about the foods that you eat. No one forces them down your neck. You eat them. So you have the choice to change them. So um, I think that's really, really important for people to kind of think about and go, actually, I'm going to make a different choice today. So even just make it small. It doesn't have to be a world-changing thing. Um, Just make it a small practice that you do daily and then you're on a better path then at that. Sounds great. I'm going to put all your details on the show notes and I also have a page on the website with all the links to all the guests that have been here. So it'd be a link to your website. Amazing. Thank you. But um, what are you going to have for dinner tonight? For dinner tonight, I am going to have um, possibly some salmon and sweet potatoes and some salad, probably. Lovely. With a nice glass of wine. Um, possibly, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, just before the last song, um, I always ask everybody for a couple of words of wisdom, a, a quote, anything at all that kind of gets you up in the morning. Um, one of my favorite things at the moment, actually, is uh, I'm listening to a lot of Brene Brown. And I think she's an amazing lady, but um, she has this, I don't know if it was her that said it, but she has this um, uh, phrase in her office that says, we can do hard things. And I really love that because we are in a society at the moment where we everything has to be, you know, fast and easy. Everything has to be quick and, and, and done. But And we actually forget that we can do stuff that's challenging. We can do really, really hard things. And, you know, um, it's kind of taught me a little bit about not shying away from those challenges and kind of um, owning them a little bit more. So, yeah, we can do hard things. That would be my words of wisdom. <laughs> I'm taking from Brene Brown. That's brilliant. And, and we're going to leave it with the Pearl Jam just breathe yes um this song i listened to because it was a really it was a soundtrack to the film into the wild and um i was just going traveling around australia before i uh, when i heard the song and uh, i felt a bit 
nervous and scared but then I was like I love Eddie Vedder's voice so yeah it, it got me through a lot <laughs> fantastic well Orla McLaughlin that was uh, thanks for me that was great amazing really appreciate it thank you thank you for having me yes I understand that every life must be end uh-huh. as we sit alone I know someday we must go uh-huh. I'm a lucky man to count on both hands the ones I love. Some folks just have one, yeah, others they got none. Oh, oh. Stay with me, oh, let's just breathe. I'm a sins, never gonna let me win oh, oh. Under everything, just another human being oh, oh. Yeah, I don't wanna hurt There's so much in this world to make me If you got this far in the podcast, I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share and leave a review on iTunes. It's much appreciated.